Okay, we're going to go ahead and get started here at the Fabricator stage. We're really excited to have Ed Young with us. Uh, he's with the Fabricator's coach. He's run a, run a successful fabrication company. He also has helped hundreds of, of fabricators, both large and small, uh, improve their shop efficiencies, uh, make them profitable, um, help them reduce the chaos, and achieving uh, consistent results. So Ed has a great, uh, great series uh, with ISFA, great, great, great podcast series, great source of knowledge. We're really excited to hear what he has to say. Um, quick shout out to our sponsors, Rockheads. Uh, their booth is here on the left, and ISFA, isfanow.org. Um, shout out to the sponsors, and like to turn the time over to Ed. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Interest rates have doubled in the last year. We're hearing forecast of a hard landing, forecast of a soft landing, forecast of no landing at all. We're going up. Some fabricators are laying off. Some still can't find enough good people. So what's a fabricator to do? Obviously, these are, everything's confusing, a lot of confusing signals that makes for turbulent times. So how does a fabricator adapt to that? How do you, how do you figure out how to make good business decisions? You got a couple of options. One is hunker down, just try to survive. Figure out as your sales, if we hit a recession and your sales start going down, who do you lay off first? Who do you lay off second? When do you do that? Wrote a couple of articles about that. If you're interested in details of that, hit uh, slipperrockgazette.net or Countertops and Architectural Services magazine. Even if you're going gangbusters right now, this is a good exercise, but we're not going to get into those details today. The other option is make your business more resilient. Take control of your destiny, make better decisions, use good data to do that, even when the economy is uncertain like it is now. One of the things that you need to make this work is a sales engine. Your business is a vehicle to get you from where you are to where you want to go in life. Sometimes that vehicle's got to climb a hill, it's got to climb a mountain. The sales engine is something that you rev up, pour more, pour more coals to it, fire it up, and power up through that tough time. That's what a sales engine does for you. But it's not just lead generation. If you've been here the last two days, excuse me, Hopefully you've heard Justin Shaw of Stone Fabricator Elite talk about how to build a good sales engine. He's got the data on that. He knows how to do it. He's the expert. Hit stonefabricatorelite.com. He can talk to you all about it. I'm not going to get into those details today, but this is something that you need. What we are going to talk about is knowing your numbers. All of you who've been in this business a while have good intuition. You intu your intuition gives you good signals about what may or may not be happening. The challenges are your intuition is clouded by emotion and by your own perspective, which may or may not be accurate. It also doesn't lead you to a conclusion and to a solution to whatever your intuition is screaming at you about. So obviously you need economic data. The place not to get this is the mainstream media. They want to sell clicks and ads. Your financial media will give you Better information, Wall Street Journal, Bloomberg, places like that, it's a little bit better. Find some that you like, some that you trust, and stick with them. I like places that you pay a subscription for, like ITR Economics. No affiliate relationship, I don't get anything for the plug, but I like their methodology, and I like the fact that it's objective. It's data-based. 
you've got intuition, you need data to quantify that intuition. For as little as 20 a month or for $100 a month or more, you can get different levels of subscriptions, get additional information. It's great to have. So that's the national level. Let's look at regional, something a little closer to home for you. Every area has some type of economic development group. That group might be within your state Department of Commerce. It may work with your state Department of Commerce, but they will know what's going on in your area. They'll have lots of great data. The region that I'm in, we've got somewhere around 150 people a day moving into our area. Because of economic development going in and recruiting industry, they can tell us what kind of jobs are going to be available. Are these blue-collar factory floor jobs? Are they skilled technician, skilled craftsman jobs? Or are they white-collar jobs? And as these people move in, where are they coming from? What types of jobs are they taking? That's going to tell us what types of houses they're going to need. And with the data that's available at the state level, we can see by our different metropolitan areas, building permits, quantities, values, housing starts, housing sales, unemployment, et cetera. And this is just one snapshot of one page from little old South Carolina. A lot of other states have got even more data. Really good stuff. This is what tells you kind of what the trends are going to be. You know, I was talking to somebody a little while ago about, you know, maybe want to buy some equipment. How do I make that decision? Well, understanding what's happening in your area can help you a little, get a little closer to making that decision. Then there's the good old Home Builders Association. I talk to fabricators all the time and they hate to go. They don't want to go to the Home Builders Association because they never get any business. Well, maybe instead of showing up and asking for a chance to quote on work, maybe you go up and have an authentic business conversation. One of your market segments that you sell into is high-end custom home builders. So you go meet Chris, the high-end custom home builder. He's not your customer, but you ask him, so what are the price levels of houses that you build? Well, they're 750000 to a million and a half. Great. You already know kind of what the market, what the budget is for countertops in a house like that because you're in that market, for example. So then the next question is, well, how many houses did you build last year? And how many houses do you plan to build this year? Now you're getting data from somebody else that's working in a market segment that you sell to, and you can start finding out from them what they think is going to be happening. So it's additional information you can get to start building a bit of a forecast. Then there's also your good countertop industry resources. They had a good symposium here um, Tuesday morning to talk about what's happening. Lots of good organizations around that you can get uh, membership of. They've got good information. But don't forget your customers. You've got customers that you deal with. You know how many, you go talk to Bob the Builder. Bob, you did 50 houses last year. How many do you think you're going to do this year? Now you're getting some more data. Talk to all of your customers. Don't forget your prospects. How many of you have salespeople that go out and talk to prospective B2B customers, kitchen and bath dealers, builders, etc., come back and say, oh man, we had a great conversation. I think we'll get a lot of business from this guy. You get those kind of, that kind of feedback from your outside sales folks? Or do they come back and say, yeah, I talked to 
you know, to, to Carl at Carl's Kitchen and Bath, and he expects to have probably another 100 kitchens he's going to sell the rest of this year. And his average price for those kitchens, his average sales price is $20,000. And we've talked a lot about his current fabricator. He really wants to make a change. So we expect we're going to get a chance to quote on 20 more kitchens this month at a $20,000 level. That's data. With the information we're talking about economically, with the information from your customers and from your prospects, you can go out and start to build a forecast of what your sales may look like for the rest of the year. Get a spreadsheet. Every one of your customers, by month, have your salespeople put in how many jobs we think they're going to do, what the average price of that job is, and then what their confidence level is, you're going to get that work. So then you can do the math and say, okay, five jobs at $5,000 a job, $25,000 worth of potential work. He's been a good customer. We're going to get all that work. Or he's trying out some other fabricators. I'm kind of 50-50 on that. Now that 25 may be closer to 212000 so you can do the math month to month and start building a sales forecast and then update it every four to six weeks. Keep your salespeople, even if you're the only person who's a salesperson, update it every four to six weeks, see what's changing. The economy changes, we don't know what's going to happen, so that forecast might, go, might be good, it might get better, it might get worse. If you see quotes starting to drop off and you're looking at that forecast saying, wait a minute, my quote level's not matching that. Well, which of those customers, which of those prospects are not turning out like you thought? Then go have some conversations, figure out what's going on. Is it your pricing? Is it your service? Somebody else beating you out? What's going on? So now you've got some data to work with to make your business more resilient and you can start to build a forecast to see what's going on for your business and what's coming at you. So we've looked at national level data, regional data, and trends, and then we've started to dive into some things where you can start to build a forecast for your business. Let's get into your leading indicators. Quotes are obviously a leading indicator for orders, but what's leading indicator for quotes in addition to what we've already talked about? your social media interaction, your likes, your shares, your clicks on Facebook, Instagram, whatever you're doing there, and you're on those platforms, right? I hope. <laughs> um, website traffic. What pages are they hitting on your website? How long are they on those pages? The responses to your email campaigns. You do have email campaigns, right? Good, I see some nods, awesome. Again, share, opens, and clicks, that sort of thing. Now, those of you who don't have this going on or you're not tracking the data, you may be sitting there thinking, so if i got to sit down and start counting all this every day and tracking it, that's a whole lot of work. And you're right. If you're doing this by hand, it's a ton of work. Okay. But what you want to do is get what's called a CRM, a Customer Relationship Manager. The CRMs can go out and get this data for you they can pull it together and give that report to you so you know what's going on. You don't have to track it by hand. Now, i got maybe some bad news for some of you. If you've got some of the operational software for the industry, they claim to have a CRM built in, 
think CRM maybe, they're probably not going to have this capability. If you're going to build a sales engine, you need the right tools. One of the tools is a CRM, a real CRM. I'm not the CRM guru. Talk to folks like Justin Shaw, Stone Fabricator Elite, Stephen Alberts, Countertop Marketing Company, and other folks. They'll give you straight answers, help you pick the right one. These, this is the kind of data that can tell you, in addition to what we just talked about, this can tell you what your these will be your leading indicators for your quote level. Then we want to start tracking our quotes and our orders. Now people always ask me, well, do you want to know the number of quotes and the number of orders, or do you want to know the dollar value? What's the answer? Yes. <laughs> okay. Keep it simple. I like to graph them on a daily basis. Number of quotes versus number of orders by day. A couple of caveats when you're graphing information. The first thing is before you start graphing it, decide what question is it that you want that information to answer for you. And then when you set your graph up, make sure you set it up so you can answer that question in 30 seconds or less. If it takes you longer than that to answer the question, you've not built a good visual tool. Okay? And then we want a separate graph where we're tracking the dollar volume of quotes against the dollar volume of orders. And then a third graph where we're looking at conversion rates and what that trend is. Graph it daily. Here's an example. If you see this, this is a graph of number of quotes versus number of orders over a month. Just look okay to you or not? What do you what do you what do you deduce from looking at this? Things are okay, right? Our quote volume is going up and our order volume is going up and they're tracking pretty much together. That's good stuff. So that's quantity of quotes and orders. This is dollar value. Pretty well tracking the same, isn't it? Okay? So everything's tracking together. We've got control of the process. That's nice. That's nice. Here's our close rate. I got a couple of spikes in there where we had some really high days because of a time lag between quotes and orders. So that's good. What if you saw this graph? What's that tell you? We've got a downward trend on both the number of quotes and the number of orders. That's not a good thing, is it? Okay. Was talking to a client a few months ago, and they were saying our biggest concern right now is who are we going to lay off first? What do you mean? Phone's not ringing, showroom traffic's down, my quote volume's down. We're, we're, we're headed for a train wreck. We're worried. We've got to try to figure out who can we do without. We've got to lay somebody off. And I kind of knew that was coming. I said, okay, let's look at the data. So the data looked a little bit like this. I said, all right, so that's the number of each. What do your dollars look like? So we pull the data up. What do you see? It's pretty well a straight line, right? What's going on here? How do we have quotes and orders dropping off, but our dollar volume's fine? What they had done was, and they knew this, they made an intentional decision to start to move up market. They were going for the higher-end custom-type homes, higher-ticket jobs, and pointing their sales engine in that direction and away from some of the lower end. They knew that, and I knew that, 
But what they didn't think about was, what does that feel like? What's it sound like? We're going to have fewer quotes. We're going to have fewer orders. There's going to be less phone ringing and less traffic. Our intuition is screaming at us, we've got a problem. The data says, no, actually, things are okay. And our conversion rate's fine, too. So the data is critical. When your intuition starts screaming at you and you're worried about something, you think something's changing, you're probably right, it's changing. The question is, is it a good change or a bad change? If you've got good data from a CRM, if you've got good data from your operational software, you may have to dump it out of there and put it into something like Power BI to analyze it, but you want to start drilling down by your market segments, by your salespeople. If you start seeing some trends that don't look good, which market segments are not performing as expected? We've got our sales forecast by customer. We need to be able to drill down and look at our quotes and orders by customer. How is that working out? So taking that data and drilling down, knowing how to use those analytical tools is really critical to understanding how your business is making money and what direction it's headed and why. <clears throat> So let's get a little deeper. You know, we've taken the national level, the regional level, and we've looked at leading indicators and start to track what's actually happening with quotes and orders. Part of being a resilient business is tracking your business performance. And I don't mean get a P&L today for what happened in March and try to figure out, okay, I know I worked hard in March, why, didn't, why don't those numbers look any better than they do? I can't remember what I had for lunch two days ago, much less what I did six weeks ago that impacts the P&L I'm looking at. I've run too many plants, it's too hard to do. Day-to-day -day management is critical. You need to know how fast you're burning cash each and every day. You need to know how much cash each order generates for you. There's some technical terms called operating expense and throughput, which I won't get into the definition of, but if you've heard of those, that's what I'm talking about. The key to these is they allow you to answer questions like, not how well did I do in March, sitting here in the middle of April, did I make enough money yesterday? If I know how much cash I'm burning every day, and I know which orders I installed yesterday, and how much cash each one of those generated, I can know whether I made enough money yesterday or not. I can start to say, I can start to answer questions like, how much money did we plan, or do we plan to make next Thursday? When you think about it, what's your scheduler do for you? Your scheduler determines what your opportunity is to make money next Thursday. They tell you how much you can make if you perform well. And that's all you can make because they haven't scheduled any more for you. So now we can start to predict the future a little bit. We can see, okay, all right, we're in the middle of April. Are we on track to make money so far this month? And if you've got a pretty decent flow of orders coming in, you may be scheduled out for the rest of the month. So you can start to predict whether you're going to make a profit this month or not. Rather than waiting to the middle of next month to look back at this month to see if you did a good job or not. Trying to get to a graph. Here's what it looks like on a daily basis. I know that's a lot of data there, but if you look at the 1st of March, we generated about $9,000 in cash. We burned cash at the rate of $7,000 a day. Good day, right? 
But look at the 2nd of March. We had an ice storm come through. Couldn't install anything that day. But guess what? We still burned $7,000 worth of cash that day. That's, that's a hole we just started to dig for ourselves. We start climbing out. Things look great by the 8th. We generated $12,500 in cash against $7,000 burn rate month to date. We got a profit of almost $8,000. But what in the world happened on the 9th and the 10th? We burned cash at the rate of $7,000 a day. Why did we only schedule $2,000 a day on the 9th and $2,600 on the 10th? What in the world is going on? So we can dig into that and figure it out because if we're sitting here on the 10th looking at the 9th, we can answer that question pretty well because we know what happened yesterday. We can ask our people. We know what's going on. And if we're looking at the rest of the month, if this was April's data, we're looking at the rest of the month and we've got some days scheduled that look kind of like the 9th and the 10th, but they're like the 16th and the 20th or whatever, we can say, well, wait a minute. Can we do better? Now we can start impacting what that P&L is going to look like at the end of the month. Every time I get a fabricator who is tracking this religiously on a daily basis, they will tell me I finally understand now how my business makes money. Because you're tracking it every day, looking at cause and effect. One of the problems with the monthly P&L is that the time between when something happens and when you see the financial impact of that's too far. Daily basis gives you immediate feedback. Come on, move. Well, it, there it is. Okay. With this, we can also look at which market segments are the most profitable for you. We can look at those throughput dollars, that cash as a percent of sales dollars, and look at those on an order-by-order order basis to see what's better for you what isn't. Now, we know automatically when we look at your retail orders, we're going to see a higher percentage. And it's going to be lower for your builders, it's going to be lower for your K&Bs, etc. But that's not the only factor. I had a, a client a few weeks ago, he'd added some, some, we just started working together, he'd added some capacity. He was making money, but he needed to fill his shop. And he was, because he was small, he was struggling to compete for more kitchen and bath work and for retail work because big competitors had better price points with the buying of the materials and they were just struggling to compete. So we went through and did, analyzed four or five jobs from each of his major market segments, saw the expected patterns. You know, retail was better than his B2B segments. Kind of got to the end, I said, you've got one more segment, right? He said, yeah. He said, I got some production builder work. I know it's going to look terrible. Those guys beat me like a drum on those prices, but I had to have something to put in the shop. I said, hey, I get it. Not always a bad decision. Let's look at the data. Sure enough, throughput dollars as a percent of sales was the lowest of all of them. Then I said, hey, let's look at this a little bit different for a minute. You know, small shops, a lot of times, they're taking guys out of the shop to go do installs a lot of times. So I said, all right, let's look at this on a weekly basis. This production builder work doesn't have any miter drop edges, does it? He said, no. You got no waterfall legs on islands, nothing fancy like that? He said, no. He said, it's all rectangles and L's. It's simple stuff. I said, okay. I picked of the jobs we had for production builder. I picked the one in the middle with the average throughput as a percent of sales. I said, okay, if all you had was a stack of jobs like this to, to run this week and a whole week, how many of these could you fabricate and install? He thought a minute, gave me a number, multiplied it by the cash, the throughput that each order generated, 
And lo and behold, he was profitable with that production builder work. I said, okay, let's just for fun, let's take your best work, your retail work. Let's do the same math. How many of those can you do in a week? And guess what? They were pretty close. So the throughput as percent of sales gives you good feedback on your pricing, on your pricing structure, because when you pull up four or five retail jobs and look at them, you may see some big variation in throughput or percent of sales. Maybe something going on with your pricing formulas. I don't know. But look at how much of this work you can do within a day or within a week. Compare that to how fast you're burning cash. And when you start looking at your sales engine and you need to drive sales up because quotes are getting low or whatever, you can start looking at these different segments and say, which one do I want to go and point my sales engine at so I can rev it up and get more of it? So this data works hand in glove with that part of being a resilient business. We can also take this and use it for annual planning. Take our, come on, I know this is hard to see a lot of data here, but we've got our on the top line, we've got our sales forecast. Below that, we know what our monthly throughput's gonna look like. And by the way, if you're interested in these, hit fabricatorscoach.com, I've got a free tools tab. Download all this stuff, help yourself. Um, we can predict our throughput as our sales change. We know what our operating expense looks like. We know that as the business grows in this case, I don't want to get too close to the speaker, it'll squeal at me. Uh, but we've got to add an install crew, we've got to add a CAD guy, we know what the money for that is, we know when we're going to do that. We can start to forecast what our P&Ls are going to look like months in advance, and now we're driving our business instead of it driving us. We've got that resiliency. We're working on our business instead of in it. And now we're positioned with the data we've got to understand what's going on with the economy, how it's affecting our business, and how we can respond to it to improve our operations and improve our bottom line. I think it's key to understand as we look at these factors that as a fab shop owner, your business is running exactly the way you've designed it to run. No better, no worse. This is hopefully some ideas on some things you can do to make it run better. If you're not satisfied with how it's running, hit that QR code, go to the website, ask for a free customized assessment, and we'll be happy to do that for you. I want to thank Coverings for this opportunity. I want to thank ISFA for setting it up. Uh, and I want to thank most of all you folks for spending a little time here. Anybody who's got any questions, I think we've got a few minutes left. Yeah, about five minutes left. So any, any questions on that? I covered a lot of ground in a short period of time. So, or, yeah. So if the showroom walk-ins have slowed down, what should we do? Sell more. <laughs> you need a, need a sales engine so you can go out and sales engine doesn't just generate leads. It does the generation. It's going to track them. It's going to nurture them. If I can get these slides to move a little bit better. Um, but you need to crank your sales engine up and decide, do you want to get more retail sales? Or do you want more B2B sales? Use this data to do that. If I can get my slide to go back. There we go. Fire your sales engine up toward, toward retail sales if that's what you want, or B2B. And being intentional about it, it sounds like. Absolutely. Very intentional. Any takeaways, any questions?
I, I got a quick question, Ed. Sure. So yeah. you've worked with hundreds of fabricators and hundreds of companies. Um, what is it, what's the low-hanging fruit? When you, when you start with a company, what is it that you typically start them with? Is there any suggestions that, 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 that you'd start or, you know, is, is that making sense what I'm asking? Yeah, if I could get back to the slide, I'll show you real quick. One more. If you can get set up to where you're tracking throughput dollars on every order, and you know how fast you're burning cash each day, and you're tracking that daily, like this simple spreadsheet shows, that'll tell you more about your business than anything else in the world. Sit down and do that, do the analysis we talked about with throughput as a percent of sales for your different market segments. And, and just a quick two-second definition yeah. of throughput dollar. Throughput and, is your, your sales price of your job minus your material cost for that job. Now, if you've got 1099 installers, you subtract that as well. But those are the two major factors that you would subtract. So what's left is the cash you've got to pay your bills. And that's that, in this case, $7,000 a day of operating expense, which we get from analyzing your P&Ls. So the money they can control. Yep. Any, you, any other, or go ahead. If you just track this data, get your scheduler to schedule with throughput dollars. So you're scheduling the opportunity to make the profit and then track your performance. That's the simplest thing you can do. The rest of it is just getting into that forecasting and track those trends. Hello, good evening. I am Saad Yassin. I'm Man Chamber of Industry Board Member from Middle East, Jordan. Okay. Uh, we have our sharing market in uh, U.S. Uh, market for stone and marble before 2009, before the global crisis, economic one. And after that, we lose all our share in your market here in the United States. What we should do now to get back this share or to do or to give your assistance or your uh, company or your institution so you to do that for my chambers because I am responsible for all the fabricators in Jordan yeah. who were able to export their product of stone marble to U.S. market. But now they are not able. So, so how we can You want manage. to increase sales of your materials into the U.S. market? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll be honest. I don't know. <laughs> that's... That's, that's above my pay grade. Once it's here and a fabricator wants to turn it into countertops, you help you with that part, yeah. But yeah, that's you're, a great... You're talking a bigger scale than I've got. You know, maybe you've got some information. Great question there. I mean, Natural Stone Institute's a great source there. ISFA's a great source. I mean, I, I, I'm not an expert either, but, but I, I would look at maybe the reasons why, you know, what, why do we lose the market share and how do we strategize? How do we build that sales engine to get it back? You know, that's really, you, you know, you, that's, that's a lot of the answer. What is the need that we're fulfilling, and am I intentional about it? So, but yeah, the great question. Thank you. Yeah, I'm sorry I can't answer it for you, though. I just don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Any other questions? Any takeaways? Yes. Uh, how do you choose a market to specialize in? For example, we're uh, kitchen bathroom modelers also do granite countertops. Uh, so we're kind of general in the in the sense, still kind of starting out, but we still have a general sense of of who we work with. We have builders, we have contractors, we have residential, low end and high end. Uh, so how do you kind of choose that? Uh, where what to specialize in? If you have if you've been doing this for a while and you have some data, the short answer is we can analyze the data, and look at the different market segments and look at what your capacity is and what works best in your plant. Kind of like that fabricator that needed to fill his plant up and he thought the production builder work was going to be terrible for him. It actually turned out to be pretty good. 
is going through that type of analysis from a number standpoint to see what works best for you. Then you've got to step back and look at your market and say, okay, where's the opportunity? You know, to take some of this regional forecasting data and say, okay, is there a lot of production builder work going on in my area or is it more custom home builder work? I was talking to this gentleman here who's up in Montana and they're building multi-million dollar houses. Probably not a lot of production builder stuff going on there. I, I don't know, okay? So you got to look at your market and see what the opportunities are as well. But, and, but start and, with the data and work up. And Ed said something really, really important. He looked at the, frequ the, the, the velocity or the, how fast is this job going through the shop versus the dollar value. And those two things is what Ed pointed out earlier that, yep. that you got to look at. Those, the dollar yep. value, the throughput dollar, plus how fast can I, can I get to it. Yeah. How many can you make in a day or a week? Yeah. yeah. Great those, question. Those are key. Yeah. Oh, that was okay, Ed. No, perfect. Great. Any other questions? Any other takeaways? Let's give Ed a round of applause. Thank you. I'll hang yeah. around for a little while if you got any other questions. And yeah, please. But thank you for your time. Scan the code and go to uh, the Fabricators Business Coach. Great, great, great source.